0: This is from a recorded talk. So today is Wan Pra, the lunar observance day, and today is a special Thai holiday where we observe the um, the holiday of dedicating merit to beings who have passed away, one's relatives who have passed away. In the monastic rains retreat, the Pansa is almost over. It's uh, two and a half months into it. So in about 15 days, we'll have the end of uh, rains retreat uh, celebration. One day after the end of the rains retreat uh, uh, holiday, then there's the holiday commemorating the day that the Lord Buddha descended from the heaven of the 33 gods, the Tawatingse heaven. And this is uh, because the Buddha went to the Tawatingse heaven for... Uh, one of his rains retreats, in order to uh, teach his mother and to teach uh, the other devas the Abhidhamma. And the Lord Buddha taught the Abhidhamma over the course of this particular rains retreat, and a great many uh, devas realized uh, stream entry, the first level of enlightenment. And so on this one day after the end of the rains retreat, we commemorate the Buddha returning to earth from the Tawatinksa heaven. And so on today, the the holiday, the meaning of this holiday is to uh, give merit, to dedicate the goodness that one has done to one's relatives who have passed away, and also to any beings who have uh, passed away who are in need of merit, whether they are a relative of oneself or not. So we do acts of goodness, we get merit, and we dedicate this merit to them, then these beings who have passed away already, they're able to receive the merit, and their happiness of heart increases, and they're able to move on to a better place, a better uh, rebirth, or a better uh, location. So in the Buddhist time, one of the Buddhist disciples, King Bimbisara, had uh, experience with this as well because his uh, relatives from the past had been reborn in an unfortunate or woeful state, that of a preta, a hungry ghost. And they were the preta of the type that's able to receive merit uh, from, from humans that dedicate merit. And after they receive this merit, they're able to uh, change their location and go to a better uh, rebirth, a better realm. So King Bimbisara did some acts of merit, some generosity and so on, but he didn't dedicate this merit. Uh, So that night he heard these moans or wails or cries in the night, and this woke him up. And he thought to himself, is this a danger to my kingdom? Is this a danger to me, Uh, these sounds that I've heard? So the following day he went to ask the Lord Buddha about this And the Buddha answered that uh, these sounds don't indicate any danger to you. It's simply that having done merit, you didn't dedicate it to your relatives who have passed away. Because these relatives have been waiting uh, for merit, for you to give merit to them for a very long time. And they wish to receive this merit so they can overcome their state of suffering, their state of uh, woeful rebirth. So after you did merit and didn't dedicate it, they cried out. So after hearing this, then King Bimbisara uh, did more acts of merit and then dedicated this merit to his relatives and to all who had uh, passed away, all beings uh, in the suffering rebirth. And his relatives were able to receive this merit and they rejoiced in this merit as well and they were able to improve their a rebirth and go to a deva realm, a heavenly realm. And King Bimbisara was one who, in great respect for the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha, he followed and practiced the five precepts regularly. And we see he was a stream enter a Sotapanna, one who had realized the first stage of awakening. And we see the meaning of this word Sotapanna is one who has uh, entered the flow, entered the stream of the Dhamma. And so this is one who uh, does goodness regularly and is intent on developing their hearts and minds. We see in the beginning that greed, aversion, and delusion cover over our hearts. And these uh, kilesas of greed, aversion, and delusion have covered over our hearts for many, many lives now. So we, we can ask ourselves, well, how do we know that having done an act of uh, volition, uh, an act of karma, and then we get... A uh, result, get the fruit of that? Uh, how do we know this? So we can see that um, we need to use mindfulness and wisdom with this matter in order to know what result we'll get from the karma that we do. And so we believe the teachings of the Buddha, we believe the Dhamma, we have faith in the Sangha, we believe in the teaching on karma. And we see that stream enters have a firm belief in the law of karma, the law of uh, volitional action. It's something that's very close to their heart, and their faith in the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha uh, doesn't waver. Even if someone were to come uh, and threaten to kill a stream enter, and they would say, you have to say that you don't have the Buddha Dhamma Sangha as your refuge. If you say that, I won't kill you. Or if you say it, I won't kill you, but if you don't say it, I will kill you. A stream enter would uh, willingly accept death uh, because their respect for the Buddha Dhamma Sangha is so firmly established in their heart already. They would be unable to speak such a thing since it wouldn't be true. Because they see that uh, death is something that's not scary, it's just the four elements uh, degrading and passing away. It's just uh, one lifetime. However, acts of karma uh, follow the mind. Uh, life after life. So King Bimbisara was firmly established in the five precepts. He had firm faith in the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha. Even when one of his children was born, uh, someone had a dream or a vision that he would uh, kill or destroy King Bimbisara himself. But even then, he didn't uh, kill his child uh, because he had the five precepts. He wouldn't kill anyone. This was his child, uh, Ajatasattu. And King Bibisara was a great attendant, great lay supporter of the Buddha, uh, a stream enter with the five precepts uh, firmly established in his heart. And on the lunar observance days, he would followed the eight precepts. He was one who saw the value of uh, the practice of virtue. He saw that virtue, the sila, is a noble wealth, a noble wealth that, Uh, develops the heart to be higher and higher. And we see that in the human realm, if one is in a place that's uh, disturbed and chaotic, it's disturbed and chaotic because the people there lack sila, they lack virtue. People harm and kill each other, um, and it's uh, it's a place that's all uh, disturbed and chaotic. So we see that sila is something of great importance So on this Lunar Observance Day, we come and undertake the practice of sila formally. So we see its value is incredibly high. In all the material wealth of the world, we may consider it of great value, but we see that this value is just on the level of convention. We can contemplate who can take this material wealth with them after death. Anything in the world, even the smallest thing, even a speck of dirt, Can one take that with one when one dies? And the answer is no. This is a coarse thing. It's something that belongs to the world. It's all a kind of worldly energy. And this worldly material, this worldly energy, the mind can't take with it when it dies. Because the mind is something much subtler than these worldly things, these worldly energies. However, there is one method uh, to bring something with one when one dies. And this is to do acts of goodness, acts of merit, a wholesome uh, volitional actions, to do merit. Uh, and then this merit goes with one's mind. It lives in the heart, this merit. So when we do uh, the practice of virtue, this is a merit in our hearts. And when we meditate, we listen to dhamma, we do acts of generosity, this is merit in our hearts all the same. And this is a wealth that no one can take from us, no one can steal. It's a wealth uh, merit that uh, follows us uh, throughout the cycle of birth and death. And we can see that, for instance, the quality of greed, it's something that makes our minds very hot and agitated. And the more greed there is, the more heat there is in the mind. And it just keeps increasing ongoingly like that we see that this is uh, clinging, it's attachment. And the more clinging and attachment there are, then the mind just has no happiness at all. The mind is covered over with darkness, it's obscured, and it just keeps being obscured like this. And with this quality of greed, the mind becomes heavy and stays heavy like this as one keeps attaching to it. And this greed uh, brings the mind to cling to the things of the world as as mine, as ours, as self. But we see that really the things of the world uh, are not ours. They belong to the world. They belong to nature. And whenever we cling to them as self, this gives rise to heaviness. And this heaviness just keeps going on and on. And this, uh, you can also say it's suffering, it's dukkha that keeps going on and on. And we see that to have a human heart, it's uh, when one has sila, this makes one's heart human. But with more and more greed, we see that the quality of the mind degrades to the point where the mind is no longer at a human level. It's because this greed makes the mind heavy, it just makes the mind heavier and heavier uh, constantly. And it brings the mind to uh, unfortunate rebirths or bad, bad planes of existence. And so we see that aversion and delusion are just the same way. So how do we cure this? How do we address this issue? In terms of greed, we can cure this with the practice of generosity, of doing merit. And we do acts of generosity without harming ourselves or others. We do it in a way that's just right. Uh, Do it so uh, so that we don't harm ourselves or others. It feels like enough. It feels like just right. And we have ourselves enough uh, wealth for ourselves as well. And we practice a livelihood that incorporates sila, uh, a livelihood that's uh, wholesome. And this is something very good. And if one works very hard, one may gain a lot of this material wealth. And so having gained a lot of wealth, one knows uh, how to store it and how to share it and has wisdom in the usage of this wealth. And the Buddha taught that this is the highest blessing in one's life. And it's not that the Buddha didn't teach to work hard at one's job. The Buddha did teach to be diligent and work hard in one's livelihood, and to know the proper use of wealth as well. This is something the Buddha taught. And to know that greed, as greed ever increases, this leads to a lot of suffering. So know the proper way to practice and know heedfulness and contemplate death as well. See that today, uh, how old are we? How many years do we have left? How many months? How many days? We should contemplate our life in this way. And we see that our experience of pleasure and pain arises and ceases. And whatever uh, pain or suffering we experience, it's something that uh, can't be sustained. It can't last. It's a worldly condition that is impermanent by nature. And so we see that all the things of the world are just the same. They have dukkha, they have suffering within them. It's because all the things in the world, they're all conditioned and they degrade constantly. They, they can't be sustained, they can't last. And because of this nature of inconstancy and not being able to last, that makes them stressful, makes them dukkha. So this is just the nature of uh, things, the nature of all the things of the world is this way. We see that our bodies are the same way. Having arisen, our bodies must degrade, and one day our lives end in death. So we see what can we take with us. The mind that's lost in delusion is a mind lost in chaos and trouble. And we see that uh, dislike and aversion as it ever increases This is a kilesa that covers over the heart, makes the heart dark and obscured. So to address this particular kilesa, the Buddha taught uh, the cultivation of loving-kindness, the metta bhavana, metta meditation, how we should build loving-kindness. And we see that in having been born, uh, we all have uh, friends. And why is this? It's because all beings having been born must meet with old age, meet with sickness, and meet with death. Therefore, we're all friends in old age, friends in sickness and friends in death. So we all uh, have many friends in this sense because we all gather together in old age. We gather together in sickness and we gather together in death. We're all the same in this way. We're not different at all. We're not uh, separated in the sense of old age, sickness, and death. We all experience them. And all all our friends, all the beings in this world, uh, gather together in death. And all the beings in this world uh, wish for happiness and don't want suffering. So therefore we have metta to each other. We help each other. We have compassion. We have sympathetic joy, mudita, and equanimity, upeka. And this... Uh, these qualities we cultivate. We cultivate loving-kindness. And And the practice of loving-kindness helps our practice of virtue to be uh, balanced, uh, full, and complete. Because we see in this world we need to have loving-kindness to each other. Having been born, we age, we sicken, and we die. So therefore we practice loving-kindness, compassion, sympathetic joy, and equanimity. We think that We think of the people who have died already, and we give them merit. We dedicate merit to them. We listen to the Dhamma. We practice meditation. We practice virtue. uh, We practice generosity. And we dedicate all this merit to those that have died so that they may also have happiness and not have suffering. And we see that for ourselves we're still alive. And we can think that all these beings who have died uh, they may need this merit. So this means that when they were alive, they didn't do sufficient merit. They didn't do sufficient acts of merit to help themselves. So therefore, since we're still alive, we have the chance to do acts of merit. We should take advantage of this opportunity and do this, these acts of merit. We don't need to wait until we're dead to wait for our relatives to give merit to us. Because after we die, it's possible that our relatives would get distracted and busy, and they would forget about us and forget to give us merit. They may not uh, give merit to us after we die. Therefore, while we're still alive, do acts of generosity, practice virtue, practice meditation, Uh, make merit while you still can. And then you see the benefits of this merit in the present moment. You don't need to wait for the future to see the benefits. It's like taking a shower. When you take a shower, you feel cool in the present. When you eat, you feel full in the present. When you do merit, you feel coolness of heart in the present moment. You feel happiness of heart in the present. There's no need to wait for the fruits of merit in the future. This is something that you can observe in your own experience. This happiness of heart arises in the present. So we build this merit, we cultivate this merit, is something to keep away, some, uh, a fund to, that carries with us in our lives. And we dedicate the merit to those who have died as well, whether they're a relative or not, so that they may uh, be born in a higher realm, may uh, rise up to a higher realm. Because we see that these minds, they don't actually die. They constantly seek out uh, rebirth in uh, various places. So having a mind in the human realm, depending on our karma, if we have a painful karma after death, we can end up in a woeful existence in a bad place. This is a place, these are states of existence of great suffering. And once one is in one of these uh, states of woe, it's very hard to help beings in these states. So therefore one should avoid them in the first place, uh, protect oneself in the first place, by undertaking the five precepts, uh, which brings happiness in the present as well. The practice of sila uh, brings happiness in the present. So we can reflect on the example of King Bimbisara and Anattapindaka and Lady Visaka, the two uh, foremost lay lay supporters of the Buddha, They all were firmly established in the five precepts and kept the eight precepts on the lunar observance days. So the eight precepts we practice according to our uh, strength of mind. Whatever the case, we practice the dhamma uh, diligently, establish ourselves firmly in sila. So may you all be well, may you all grow in dhamma.